Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, a journalist, broadcaster and the host of The Penny Drops, where I speak to some of the best financial experts out there. Now, this podcast was recorded during the coronavirus outbreak, so please excuse any sound issues as we're all recording remotely in our cupboards. For the latest information on financial support and benefits, visit gov.uk forward slash coronavirus. Now, in this episode, I'm speaking to comedy duo The Scummy Mummies, also known as Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson. They describe their comedy as for less than perfect parents. And together, they host a podcast. Hello, Helen and Ellie. Hello. Hello. Joining them is Helen Morrissey, a personal finance expert from Royal London. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Helen Morrissey. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Today we're talking about how being a woman and a parent can impact both your career and your finances. We'll also touch on important topics like the gender pay gap, which despite the Equal Pay Act, which means that employers are prohibited from paying women less than men for the same job, still exists today for a multitude of reasons, whether that's having fewer women in senior or high-earning roles or more women taking career breaks or working part-time because of parenting duties. So let's kick off with our Scummy Mummies guest today, Helen and Ellie. Let's talk about your families just to start off with, because you both have two children, am I right? Helen, I'll come to you first. Yes, yes, I, I have two. They are nine and 12. Nice. Yes, and I've got uh, Joe and Charlie. Joe is six and Charlie is nine. Okay, so yeah, so quite quite young and obviously quite a lot of homeschooling going on at the moment. So how has home life been for you recently? I mean, you say quite a lot of homeschooling. I'd suggest that you come to my home and witness the lack of schooling for yourself. Uh, we're, we're attempting homeschooling. We're attempting. That, that's as far as I'm willing to commit. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a daughter who's in her first year of high school. Oh, and it's wow. pretty serious in high school. They've got all these like mm. sort of online checks. So she's quite self-sufficient. Uh, my son, I describe as the octopus because he's just, it just looks like he's got many arms and legs going in all the different directions. And um, yes, it's, it's hard work, but um, we're getting there. And also if we don't do it, nobody dies. That's my kind of, you know, we, we do as much as we can without going mental. So that's, that's our kind of um, philosophy, really. Yeah, I think that's a good one to stick to at the moment. Now, can you tell us the story of how you two came together to form the Scummy Mummies? Oh, it's a lovely tale. It really is. Um, we met nearly eight years ago uh, and we were both doing, we both were starting out stand up uh, and um, we met in a shipping container uh, <laughs> under a flyover in Detford. It was lovely, wasn't it, Ellie? Oh, it was. We, we, and we should say that the shipping container was, uh, it was supposed to be a comedy club. It wasn't, you know, uh, we weren't involved in any sort of dodgy smuggling or anything. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a comedy club, but it was just all awful and it was it was so cold that the audience were given blankets because there was no heating <laughs> in the shipping container and there was no audience member there was um some of Helen's neighbors and two Spanish people who didn't really speak English that was the audience um uh but uh you know but then there was this Australian woman there who was hilarious and brilliant so we sort of became mates from that and then we started doing the podcast and then the comedy show um and uh, and then we, we obviously stopped doing the comedy show because there was a global pandemic mm. uh but we are <laughs> but we're you know we do Instagram and all sorts now so yeah all sorts of stuff 
So you both have other jobs as well. So how do you fit this around parenting schedules? Is it a struggle? It's tough and you just have to do what you can do. And and like Helen says, there are many days you go, well, I didn't reply to that email today, but nobody died. Exactly right. Anyway, um, yeah, it is. It's 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 difficult kind of balancing all everyone else's needs, I think. That's the thing is like your children need apparently to be fed three times a day. That's a need. And um, you need to feel fulfilled in your work and earn mm. money and all those sort of things. So it is, you know, some days you get it right and sometimes you don't. But it is... Um, it's it's really fantastic to be able to work flexibly and from home and to still do a lot of the things that we were doing um, before we all got locked down as well. And that's been quite good is that our careers are very adaptable. Mm. And also Ellie and I are our own bosses. We have our own company, which is Scummy Mummies, and we can we can decide when and how we work. So I think I think we're really fortunate in that way. Yeah, and I wanted to bring in Helen Morris here because you mentioned sort of being flexible and being your own bosses, but how can women ensure that their careers aren't negatively impacted by becoming a working parent, do you think? I think the important thing is to really look at, you know, making sure that you work with the right employer. Um, you know, I think it's great that we've seen a real increase in flexible working over recent years. And I think, you know, one thing about the pandemic is that it has shown that people can work productively from home. Um, and I, I think we're getting to a point now where, you know, employers cannot ignore um, you know, the the role of flexible working and enabling women to kind of continue to, you know, contribute to the workforce. So I think anybody that, you know, wants to make sure that the careers aren't going to be impacted too much, you know, make sure that you have a family friendly employer. Yeah, that's that is um, a good tip there to pick the right employer. And Ellie and Helen, you picked yourselves. So was that a big part of it for you? Well, I'm actually thinking of sacking myself. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing a great job, not really neither proud of myself. Us, neither yeah. of us did very well on the yearly reviews, I must say. Yeah, we no, were, I was going to say, yeah. We both, we both scored very poorly. Uh, yeah, both, uh, working below expectations. Yeah, exactly uh, was, right. Was my, uh, yes. Um, yeah, no, we, when Helen and I met, we, we've talked about this. We, we didn't kind of sit down and go, um, I know, let's start a podcast and turn that into like a successful comedy show and, and, and business and shop and book and all the rest of it. We, we sort of started the podcast as an excuse um, to sit down together and drink wine. And we thought, well, we might as well record it and put it on the internet and then we can tell our husbands it's a proper thing um so that was all it was so yeah we we got lucky in a lot of ways and i know that's not an option for people you know it's quite easy to say oh just you know pick the right boss or just work for yourself but that's that's not always an option is it so i understand that's really tough for people uh, i think we got lucky yeah yeah and helen morrissey again just touching on what you mentioned about part-time and flexible working how are some of the ways that this can be beneficial for working mothers and some of the sort of financial implications of that on women yeah so part-time flexible working has been amazingly positive uh, for working women um you tend to find that you know a lot of women if they spend a lot of time out of the workforce it can really impact their confidence so anything that allows them to remain in the workforce working contributing has to be a good thing um in addition to that obviously they're earning money that they can put away into savings or investments um they will also remain part of workplace initiatives such as auto enrollment 
Um, I'm a bit of a pensions geek. I like to get a pensions reference in wherever I can. But basically, for those that don't know, auto enrollment means that everybody, um, you know, in the in the workplace, as long as you earn above a certain amount, you will be automatically enrolled into a pension. Um, so as long as you're working, you can benefit from that. The downside of flexible and part time working, though, is that you will not be earning as much as your full time peers. So obviously over time, that will really impact, you know, how much you can put away in terms of savings or investments. It will also have an impact on how much you can contribute to a pension over time as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's definitely something to consider as well. And there might be working women out there who are not parents yet, hoping to have children. I don't have any children yet. So what are the other things they need to consider before starting a family? And is there any financial help out there that they can get, Helen? I think the most important thing is that if you are able to plan ahead, plan ahead. Um, you know, one thing that you think with children, they are very, very expensive. Um, you know, not just kind of, you know, in the early years, but, you know, they, they, they you know, all the after school clubs, games, etc. you know, the whole way through to university, you know, they are a big drain on, on your finances. So um, I think the first thing you need to do is look at your in your workplace maternity package. Now, this can vary quite a lot. You know, if you um, are only being paid like statutory, you know, you might only be getting, you know, around £150 a week um, for, I think it's 39 weeks. But with some employers are a lot more generous than that. And you might find that some of them might, for instance, pay you, you know, your full wages for the first six weeks and then maybe something a bit less for, you know, a further amount of time. But no matter how generous your employer is, you know, you need to have a think about how you're going to support yourself during that time. So any kind of savings you can make, um, you know, is really important too. I think it's also really important to think about when you go back to work and childcare arrangements. You know, childcare can be very, very expensive. You know, do you have any family members that might be able to help, for instance? It's worth thinking about all these things in advance if you can. I wanted to ask you all now how you think workplaces can be more supportive of women who are hoping to go back into their careers after having children. I think Ellie and Helen, did you both have small children when you were starting out in comedy or...? Yeah, I I was I was still working part time for an arts organisation and they were pretty flexible and I think the arts is traditionally a lot more friendlier when it comes to because there's a larger female population so I think it has had to be um, more flexible and more understanding. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of comedy, um, it, it I I found it to be an excellent uh, career path for women because you get to go out at night and work and you get out of bedtime, which I think is ideal really. And you're around during the day when they're at school and and um, we choose when and when and where we want to do our gigs, so we don't work during the school holidays and all that sort of stuff. So that has been really good. But um, it is it is really I know friends who are in much more sort of um male other male dominated um institutions and and areas and it's been really difficult because um bosses have not been understanding about flexible working and and how that impacts um your family life and, mm. and how easy it is and childcare is really really expensive yeah ellie what would what else do you think that workplaces can do to help women get their careers back into them after they've had children I would actually like to say I think I think men can do quite a lot and I think you know it's it's one thing to say of course employers should be doing more and they should change rules and they should be flexible but I think um 
men who aren't the bosses can can stand up and help us out and be allies by asking themselves for flexible working you know it becomes more normal if it's not just women going oh I need to do pickups and I need to do this and you know I think it would be good if you know some men would stand up and go actually I'm responsible as well and I'm gonna you know take them because it can be quite a big thing it can be quite daunting to be the person who has to stand up and, and be the first one to ask for flexibility there are maybe men out there who have caring responsibilities so flexi time works for other people as well it's not just it's not just women like you say who who can benefit from it Hello, Morrissey, anything else you think you can add that workplaces could be more supportive of helping women get back into their careers? I think it's something that we all have to take responsibility for that, you know, we need to kind of move beyond this nine to five mentality. And I do think, you know, probably the only benefit of, of the COVID pandemic is that we've all had to recognise that we all need flexibility um, in our working lives, you know. I wanted to ask you all as well, what do you think the main challenges are of being a working woman? And have you ever felt at a disadvantage because of your gender? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, I, it is, it's a difficult area um, in terms of in comedy that has always mm. been quite male dominated. And it is, it's, it's basically a fact that more men are on TV in comedy and it, it's, and it's much, it feels a lot harder for women to get on the television it, and it, that is changing. But, I mean, should we tell the story, Ellie, about us trying to get a TV show? <gasps> tell the story. What happened? <laughs> so so we, we were working with a production company and they were pitching to a channel. I won't name it, but it was a female-skewed channel. And uh, we did a big sort of live show to um, show how wonderful we are and it was pitched to the channel. But they rejected us, Ellie, didn't they? That was because so it was three men who came to see it, obviously, three male television executives. Um, one of them who really liked it and really liked us and would have given us a show. Um, and the other two said that they were worried our comedy would alienate a male audience, even though their sh- their channel, by their own admission, was was aimed at women. Which we found massively annoying on a number of levels. One of them that they had the audacity to actually say that to us in yeah. writing in an email, I found astonishing. Um, but also, yeah, the idea that so our comedy, of course, we have jokes about being women because we are women. You know, Dara Brian has jokes about being a man or being Irish, and no one goes, "Well, he's going to alienate people who aren't Irish." Um, you know, it's 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 strange to me and and again some of our parenting is about uh, our comedy is about parenting a lot of people are parents Mm. and a lot of people aren't parents but we welcome them laughing at us because our lives are hilarious and nightmarish (laughs) thank you Um, you know no please be my guest and Helen Morrissey what what do you think have you ever felt held back in your career by being a working woman I think, and, and it kind of goes to, you know, what's been said previously and the, you know, the industries that I've worked in have been very, very male dominated and it is very um, intimidating. Like there's been times when I've been chairing an event or a conference or something and I would look out into the audience and I would be the only woman in the whole room and I think initially you know that's really really intimidating and you have to kind of take a deep breath and say you know I've still got I've got things to say and and, you know I'm going to say them kind of thing I think 
that's probably been the key thing. But I think also as well, you know, I've certainly had um, instances in my career where, you know, I've been talked over in meetings, for instance, and, you know, you look around and, you know, the men aren't being talked over, but, but the women are. So I do think it is something that, you know, working women do deal with on a, on a, on a regular, if not day to day basis. As we mentioned, like finance and you, Ellie and Helen, have already mentioned comedy being quite a male dominated industry. But did that ever put you off going into it or was that making you more determined? Um, You know, my my greatest heroes in life are all basically female comedians. And and I, I wanted to be part of that gang. I, I just think, you know, comedy is, has this great capacity for change and just to make people people feel better. I was never intimidated by the men, um, I don't think, and I'm almost, almost motivated by that because there is such a gender imbalance in the industry. But I just love being funny. I love the work that we do. I love the impact that it has. So, um, but yeah, it, it was frustrating in the early days. It felt exciting to be part of the minority and making changes, I think. And I think that was really motivating. Um, yeah, so uh, that's, I, I, and I'm glad and I'm really proud of what we've achieved because in 2019, <laughs> we did 105 live shows. Wow. And most of those sold out. And, and you know, and that's not, that's not a common thing. Like we've worked very, very, very hard to get where we are. And then people would say, oh, but you only sell tickets to women. We're like, same money. It's the same money and we sold out the same theatre as a, or, you know, and often we'd sell out, we'd be more successful than a lot of male comedians. So that felt really satisfying. Yeah. And who's looking at the female male spread of any male comedians, you know? Absolutely audience? nobody is. Nobody. We mentioned the gender pay gap at the start of this podcast and generally in the UK, the gender pay gap is still quite widespread. According to a report uh, last year, among all employees, the gap was still 15.5%. Uh, so Helen Morrissey, can you explain to us like briefly what exactly the pay gap is and how it impacts women? So basically, the gender pay gap is different to equal pay. So under the Equal Pay Act, if a man and a woman are doing the same job, they should be paid the same. Um, What the gender pay gap shows is that it's the difference in the jobs that men and women are doing. So, you know, we mentioned earlier on, you know, a lot of women, you know, they leave the workforce. Many of them come back into part time jobs. Mm. They might not progress to kind of more senior roles within their industries. And that is what's contributing to the gender pay gap is the fact that you know, women are not represented as highly as they should be, you know, in this more senior levels um, of, of companies and different industries. The only benefit I can say, the only positive rather, is that, you know, the gender pay gap currently stands as, you know, 15.5%. It did, it was higher, so it is slowly but surely coming down, um, but just not fast enough. Yeah. In comedy, Ellie and Helen, is there a difference between how much men and women are paid? I mean, there, there certainly is. I, I don't know if there is for sort of co- regular comedy club gigs. Um, and obviously we're going around to theatres, so we, we negotiate a fee mm. based on our show. But I think certainly, yeah, if, if you look at um, TV shows, if you just look, look at the amount of women, as Helen was saying earlier, that, that are on TV versus men, and obviously telly is, is relatively highly paid for comedians. Mm. So, yes, I'm sure there's a gender pay gap there. Yeah, definitely. And Helen Morrissey, how, how do you think that women can make sure that despite this gender pay gap, which is getting smaller thankfully that they're in a good financial position 
Okay, I think women, you know, whether they're working mums or not, um, I think the most important thing is to try and make your own financial provisions wherever possible. Um, so, you know, like a, a lot of women, I think particularly if, they, if they're married and, you know, they might have a husband with a really good pension package or, you know, um, is paid a lot more and there can be um, a tendency to kind of rely on that and to maybe mm. not put away for your own pension or your own investments, for instance. Um, whereas, you know, that's fine if you stay together but you know with the best will in the world you know sometimes your relationships can um can end and you know often it's women that you know can come out of these long-term relationships in not a very great financial position so i do think wherever possible you know as a working woman if you can you know save if you can invest you know if you have access to your company pension you know, make sure that you're, you're contributing to that and and just get yourself in into the best possible financial shape for yourself yeah and what do you think in i know we touched on this a little earlier but what do you think can be done to squeeze that gender pay gap even smaller I think it goes back to what um, what was said earlier. Actually, is that you know maybe you know women as a whole need to get you know maybe a bit more feisty about about asking for you know promotions pay rises you know i thought that was really powerful to say you know know your worth mm. and i think sometimes i think particularly um maybe women that you know do need flexible working you know sometimes feel the need to apologize for that whereas you know i think mm. to my sister my sister has two children and in previous jobs you know she's worked twice as hard as everybody else and then still apologized for it um and i think you know mm. i mean again you know covid we're all working from home we are recognizing you know the flexible working can and does work um and so we've got to see ourselves you know as less of less of an outlier you know if you are a working mum yeah definitely and you've just won the prize for being the first person to mention COVID-19 so let's (laughs) move on to that we are of course talking during the pandemic Uh, it's disrupted everyone's lives we hear so much about homeschooling about how women are bearing the brunt of you know all the caring responsibilities so I wanted to ask obviously Ellie and Helen five stars sold out Edinburgh show in 2019 no one had a good Edinburgh festival in 2020 because it didn't happen so how else has it sort of impacted you like you touched on not being able to do live gigs so we 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 feed off the live audience and like Mm. that is a hard thing to give up as much as the money is like to 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 not do your job the way you want to but we but we have been doing things like uh instagram lives and which have had sponsorship so we've been able to get some revenue that way and also because people are more at home our podcast listens have gone up and so of course our advertising revenue has increased as well so there's been some some financial gains in that area but the live shows is where we make the bulk of our money so it's um yeah we have had to have taken a hit on 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 that yeah and but i guess be more creative and that's sort of the industry that you're in so you just had to get creative with you know what you were able to do in the past sort of year right yeah i think definitely um especially in the first lockdown it was kind of like well what what do we do you know we're always saying we don't have time to do this stuff now so we've got time but yeah, yeah now we've got material which who knows we might end up folding folding up into a new show when we do go back on stage so yeah we've we've tried to adapt and make the best of it and and again we've just been very lucky that our circumstances have enabled us to kind of carry on and i do know lots of comedians performers lighting technicians musicians and mm-hmm. and indeed in many other industries are really struggling and we haven't had enough 
enough help from the government and it's it's incredibly difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, because I suppose a lot of the people in the comedy industry would be included in the excluded group in the UK that haven't been able to get um, government handouts because they are freelancers. And we talk about adapting for work, but have you had to adapt your parenting style? We've heard about homeschooling. Obviously, you're working whilst the kids are at home. Oh, my kids love it. <laughs> absolutely love it uh, the fact they don't have to get dressed for school uh, they often do it in their pyjamas I'm like chucking a hot cross bun at them at 9.30 because we've woken up late I, th- I think they've really I think they've really loved it and last you know in 2019 we were on tour a lot and so I was away from my children quite a bit mm. and I think they've actually enjoyed having time together it's not always perfect and we do fight and, and it is really full on but there is there is some there's been some lovely moments where it's just been nice for us to sort of bond uh, as a little family. And I got separated almost a year ago. Um, so I did all of lockdown as a freshly divorced or freshly separated um, person. So actually having that time to um, together was actually really, really wonderful. Mm. Um, but I know it's not easy and, and I've been lucky. I live on a little cul-de-sac and across the road is a nature reserve. So there, there are certain things that I can kind of do to get out of my house. Um, so I've, I've quite enjoyed it, to be honest. It's been quite good. Oh, Ellie, would you go along with that? Are you having a lovely time? Yeah, I think it's it's up and down, isn't it? Like this whole the whole Corona thing in in general, um, and yeah, it's it, my husband works from home, and in the first lockdown, he didn't. He was between contracts. He's a contractor, and he didn't have a job, so um, obviously that was financially a bit. Oh, um, mm. but luckily we had savings, and luckily you know he he it meant that I could still carry on working, and he did the homeschooling and stuff like that. So you know everyone's circumstances is different isn't it and I'm aware that it is very hard for a lot of people and again a lot of people yeah it's it's tough but um yeah my six-year-old he's just loving it he just you know he thinks he lives in Gotham City anyway it makes no difference to him really he's just wandering around being Batman and the nine-year-old is definitely feeding it he's missing he's missing his mates now I think you know when it snowed the other week and we had a lovely socially distanced uh snowball fight in the street with some of his buddies and that was gorgeous you know and um he was much he was much jollier the next day and then it kind of hit me like sometimes you kind of you kind of because you're together all the time you don't notice necessarily people's moods changing but um mm. but yeah he actually video games have been great he's he's is playing a lot of Fortnite and stuff after homeschool and he's so he's chatting to his mates every day so there are there are reasons to be cheerful always i think yeah that's nice and bringing back Helen Morrissey again i mean we've touched on there with Ellie you know husband in between contracts the pandemic has caused lots of issues for people who may have been unexpectedly made redundant lost their job so what are the sort of tips for working parents who might have had to reduce their hours or are living on a lower income right now is there any financial support or benefits out there for them Okay, I think the first thing to do is that if you do find yourself in a position where, you know, you've seen a real kind of, you know, loss of income or a reduction in it, you know, have a look at your, you know, your bills and your outgoings um, and see if there's anything there that you can that you can manage. So it might be a case of, you know, is it worth talking to your uh, mortgage provider? Um, you know, because I know that they, they were offering support for people who, who, you know, who were struggling. So, you know, speak to people like that, you know, see what kind of support they can they can offer you. Um, I think on the benefit side of things, um, you know, there, there are 
there are benefits out there. So there was there were child tax credits and working tax credits, but they are being phased out to be replaced by universal credit. Mm-hmm. So it's well worth kind of getting in touch. Go to the gov.uk website, um, you know, where you can check your eligibility and see how you can claim. Yeah. So work-life balance. I mean, we're all working remotely. Does that kind of blur the lines between homeschooling, home homeworking and actual relaxation time? What would be your tips for a healthy work-life balance? It's, it is incredibly hard, especially when um, Ellie and I work in social media as well. Mm. And you can kind of make excuses like, oh, I've just got to check Instagram because I, mm. I need to do another post or I need to engage with my audiences and um, things like that. And I think that's very hard to kind of distinguish on time and off time. And and also it's so easy just to reply to an email or just get distracted by work mm. when you really need to have that downtime with your children. And it's easy to chuck them in front of a screen as well, going, oh, I'll just do one more thing and and you know, and 10 minutes can turn into half an hour, etc. So I think I think being a little bit um conscious of always having a phone in your hand and all that sort of stuff and and being connected to technology is you know and always going out every day just go out for a walk for an hour or something like that just to sort of switch off is good because yeah it's just too easy to be working all the time yeah no i agree with that ellie would you go along with that yeah i've i've i definitely feel feel that as well and i've had to do i've had to make little rules for myself like i've had to i have to sleep with my phone in a different room because otherwise the temptation just for it to be the first thing I look at in the morning is is too great because mm-hmm. I'm very weak-willed. But if it's in another room, I'm also very lazy and I like being warm. So it's a lot more effort for me to get out of bed and go downstairs and get the phone. So that way I start the, the day with just, well, you know, just a bit, a bit calmer and I feel a bit just a bit more relaxed by the time I actually do get to my phone and go, right, I feel like I can actually cope with this now. I'm not sort of stressing out before I've even had a cup of tea. Yeah, completely. Helen, what about you? Any healthy work-life balance tips? Yeah, I think with me, um, so I kind of keep where I work to a very discreet part of my flat so I live in a tiny little one bedroom and I kind of became very aware quite early on in the pandemic that it would be very easy for you know work to take over the whole flat you know with the mm. you know the laptop in one room and notebooks in another and things like that and you know basically I just kind of got everything together on my desk and I don't move anything off my desk so once the day is over you know the laptop goes off I walk away from the desk and I don't go back to it till the next day um, and I find that that a really good kind of way of just keeping distance I think also something that really helped my productivity is getting out in the middle of the day for a walk Mm. um what I found again in the in the you know early months of lockdown was that I was working all day I wasn't moving and then kind of by the time work would be done I'd be too tired to go out whereas I find that by taking that break in the middle of the day I actually come back to my desk with a lot more energy and a lot more focus so I'm getting more done Yeah, they're excellent tips, guys. And it's funny, isn't it? All of this tech that helps us, you know, we're able to do the podcast because of this tech. But at the same time, that phone can be very addictive, can't it? So I've written all of those tips down. Thank you very much. Um, Now, it is International Women's Day on the 8th of March. So I wanted to ask you all, are there any women, famous or otherwise, who inspire you? Oh, God, how long have you got? Honestly, (laughs) 
there are there are a lot of excellent women out there who inspire who inspire me daily. I think I think you know there's 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 real powerhouses like you know like French and Saunders mm-hmm. and people like that who and Jenny Eclair who are at the sort of forefront of changing comedy for women who who are really amazing but then there's the people like um Anna Whitehouse who's called Mother Pucker Online who's done yes. incredible brilliant work for flexible working and and you know using the, this new platform that's Instagram to reach women and and change and try and change policy so I think people like that you know just like everyday women who who are just getting up and getting on with it um inspire me as well because there, there's a lot to do <laughs> yeah I think yeah definitely to echo what Helen said but also like just on a personal level like my mum you know when I was growing up my mum had a variety of jobs over the years she used to have a stall in Covent Garden she made these little model things and sold them and then she wrote children's books and then she um she was a teacher uh, which was really hard and quite a difficult school and and I, I took it all for granted to be honest I just thought oh that's what mums do you know they just they just work don't they and then of course they're at home when you get home at four o'clock that's that's mums isn't it and it's only now I'm a mum of course as is the way of things that I realise gosh wow that must have been so hard she worked so hard and she was doing all that and she still put tea on the table and read a bedtime story and you know and I don't remember her looking quite as stressed and sort of <laughs> disorganized as I feel most of the time. So that's that that to me is amazing. That's that's heroic. Yeah. And Helen, what about you? Um, I've got two, so one famous and one not. So Ooh. my non-famous person um, is my older sister, and she's a very busy mum of two, um, but she'd always um, wanted to become a midwife. And I think, um, you know, some people think that, you know, if you haven't gone to uni at 18 and, you know, your um, your chances are gone kind of thing. Um, and she actually rang me last week to say that um, as of September, she's been um, accepted on a midwifery course um, at the age of... 47 so I am very very proud of her Um, so she's a bit of a hero and my second one is a famous person it's it's um Dolly Parton you've just got to love her I just think she's an absolute genius yes she's really you know her her character is so authentic and she um she has donated to the to to the Covid vaccine so I think you know what's not to love there now, we are almost at the end of today's episode, but I just wanted to ask if there's like one little golden nugget of advice, one thing that you've said today that you really want the listener to take away, what would it be? I think I would I would go back to what I was I, I was saying earlier about, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have been able to learn that you can, you can just kind of ask for what you want and, and not to be frightened of that and not to be frightened that people will hate you or, or you know, or say no. I think is it have faith that you that you can do the job because I think so much as women we're conditioned to put ourselves down we're conditioned to go oh it's not good enough or make apologies and and kind of going oh there'll be someone better at that I think we have to stop um that sort of inner narrative um or that inner monologue um, that we're like oh someone will be better for the job most of the time you will be good for that job and 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 self-belief is a magical thing so yeah I think that's important that you that you, you can do it and if you can't do it ask for help I think yeah. we, we don't have to keep struggling we don't have to put up with stuff if if it's if it's not good enough what about you Helen what's your top takeaway from today's episode I think I mean there's been so many you know great things kind of discussed here today but I love the whole thing about you know knowing your worth and not mm. being scared 
to say, you know, actually, I want more and I think I can do better. Um, I think that's really powerful. It's certainly something that, you know, I need to do more of. But, you know, I have so many, you know, female friends, you know, some are mums, some aren't. But, you know, it's something that we should all be looking to do more of. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? It doesn't have to be finance, but if we could get a time machine, what would you like to tell your 18-year-old self? Uh, I'd say uh, always always pack a jumper uh, and uh, always order a bottle. You might as well. It's You're going to drink it anyway. Uh, tip people properly and, uh, yeah, don't be a... I don't know if we can swear on this podcast, but don't be one of those guys. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> And what about you, Helen? 18-year-old self, any advice you'd give yourself looking back? I think for me, I thought about what I was doing when I was 18 and I was absolutely heartbroken after breaking up with my boyfriend. So I think I'd like to go back and tell her that he wasn't worth it and to know your <laughs> worth, basically. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that would be mine. <sighs> Amazing. And Helen, you finally... Oh, yes, of course. Now, yeah, um, if I could go back to my 18-year-old self, I would say um, read more books, do more travel, uh, and 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 don't go out with that one. Don't go with that guy. <laughs> and for God's sake, don't marry him. Do not marry him. Exactly right. <laughs> I think, I think yes, absolutely, that you are okay on your own. I think that would be my my best my best advice to my younger self is that you don't need him. Um, so yes, <laughs> you don't need him is a lovely phrase to end this podcast on. Helen Morrissey, personal finance expert from Royal London and the Scummy Mummies, aka Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson. Thank you all so much for joining me on the Penny Drops. Thank oh, you. thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Royal London.